The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callaghan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Pound. Connections can be the difference between ventures taking off or stalling. Having the right network, introductions, access to funding, experience, even sharing suppliers. All of these things may seem to be a matter of luck or environment, but they don't have to be. We're a small country with limited resources, so it is vitally important we make the most of what we have. And if we look to other small advanced economies, there are actually ways to foster and grow these connections. Ireland and Israel both have programmes designed to spur more interaction, collaboration, connection and growth both run in part by the governments and both very successful. These programmes were the inspiration for Scale Up New Zealand, a new Callaghan innovation-backed platform to get more happening between the innovation ecosystem. What do all these words mean? How exactly does it work? And how can you get involved? Well, to talk these questions over, we have Rosie Sprague, project lead for Scale Up NZ, and Craig Simpson, a many times over entrepreneur, working in data science, blockchain and solar energy, who can share with us the benefits for the industry. Thank you both for joining us. Kia ora, good morning. Kia ora. Good morning. Hey, so first up, let's meet you. Rosie, um, what's your background? How did you come to be leading a project of this kind of interest and breadth? Uh, well, kia ora. Um, uh, ko Narawahia, tōku papakainga. I'm from Narawahia and my journey really starts there. Um, uh, growing up in you know a small, somewhat rough town, um, my ambition was to do something positive in the world and change the world in some way. So that somehow sparked a 10-year career in the telecommunications industry um, after working in government um, and placed into a telecommunications regulation team. And I really fell in love with the power of technology to connect people. And that's been a consistent theme through my career. I worked in a number of different roles in telecommunications as a analyst, insights, strategy, uh, mergers and acquisitions. Uh, but towards the end of my career, I was involved in uh, program delivering, building a well, program managing the build of a LoRaWAN IoT Internet of Things network. Uh, and that really sparked my love of delivering projects. Uh, so when the opportunity came up to join Callahan Innovation to deliver what at that time was called a super connector platform, uh, sounded pretty exciting for me. And so I joined there about a year ago to come and make Scale Up New Zealand a reality. That's so cool. And so moving from delivering projects where you were linking up physical things like the Internet of Things into linking up humans and businesses and ideas. Yeah, it was really interesting for me to move from more of an infrastructure type role in the physical networks that are required to connect us to actually think about how do those, I guess, virtual networks also help to connect us that run on top of that infrastructure. 
how has it helped to come from something where, you know, which is actually generally the metaphor for these kind of things into the real thing? Like, how, how's that helped? Um, well, I think it's great to have an understanding of the importance of the infrastructure. And I think networks in general, whether physical or virtual or personal, all have a lot of similarities. And where you get the value is when you get the scale of the network. And that's what um, really excites me about Scale Up New Zealand. It's in the name, but also the value will come when we get the scale of New Zealand businesses and entrepreneurs um, using it and on there. And that's when we'll unlock the gold from the platform. Let's jump in. Let's meet one of those entrepreneurs now and then jump back into how it was you came to kind of um, form what this network would be. So, so Craig, you're, you're one of these entrepreneurs. Tell me, tell me your story because I watched a wonderful LinkedIn video the other day uh, where you told a story of coming back from quite, quite an amazing, like extra, extraordinary near-death experience as a young person. Yes, uh, when I was fourteen, uh, had an unfortunate shooting accident with a with a friend and nearly died, and changed my life. When when you're a young man and you nearly die, uh, I I tried to go back to school and and life had changed completely for me. So I left school very early and went off and started living life, which is fantastic. However, without near a real education, I, I I moved from job to job, and there was a point where you have the situation where I had no education and I had an injury. So normally a person without an education would get a labouring job, which I couldn't do. So ACC sent me on a computer training course. And what started my entrepreneurial career was a connection. And what actually happened was I was on this training course and I said to the trainer, I'd love to do something after this. And he goes, well, I know somebody who owns a computer store in the next town. Why don't I connect you up with him? So I went and connected up with him. He said, look, I can't give you a job, but why don't you come and work for me? And ACC said, well, we'll pay for you to work for him for a while. Turns out that this was a retired executive from Ford New Zealand who had started this computer business and I did my MBA with this with with Graham was his name and in two years later he said look I want to retire completely for the value of the stock you can have this business buy this business off me at, at that point I was 21 at 21 I took over this business and it had been trained by an executive but it all started from that one connection if, if I hadn't have been connected to this person I, I'm not sure I'd be here today so so that's how I started out and ever since then I've been building businesses and running businesses in the tech industry. That's cool. T- tell me a little bit about, because you, you did a lot of work with Curious that a lot of people would have heard of in, in data science. And then also, you've got an actual business using blockchain for a commercial uh, usage, which is quite a cool thing for something that has so much potential and, and currently is so early in the application stage. Yes, so I was employee number one at Curious. Uh, Spark Ventures started Curious, the data science business. And they actually approached me to come along and help them build that business. That's a number of years ago now. Uh, Very, very challenging. Back then, data science was a pretty cool buzzword, but people didn't really understand how to apply it. Uh, We did some really hard yards, which was going and talking to businesses and trying to get a handle on how you would use data science to improve those businesses. Curious is very successful now and they've found a real niche in, in, in marketing and the data science around understanding customers. So did very, very well there. I left uh, Curious maybe four years ago and uh, went back to my, my IT business, iVise, and we, we do data science there. 
I met somebody at Curious, again, another connection, which is Aaron McDonald. And Aaron has set up a business called Centrality. And Aaron and I were chatting and uh, talking about blockchain, and Centrality does blockchain. And I said, blockchain is a trust engine. It's about helping people build trust using technology and make those connections with technology. And my wife's a real estate agent. And I said, one industry that spends a fortune on trying to establish trust is real estate. What happens there is if if you sell a property worth a million dollars, probably $50,000, $60,000 goes off to professionals to establish trust and an understanding in that industry. So we're having a crack at using blockchain to help establish that trust and maybe reduce some of those costs and the time it takes to do a transaction and sell a property. Yeah, and I, I um, it's it's great you mentioned the centrality story there. I think they're one of the the really undersung stories of investment in New Zealand, as they have managed to get so much investment around for entrepreneurial ideas to try and build them on uh, their, their their system and blockchain, which is which is which is amazing the amount that they've invested in the local economy. Oh yeah, brilliant! Like the idea we have around. Uh, using blockchain in the property industry, never have got it off the ground without the help of Centrality and their uh, venture capital. And I, I wonder if, are there parallels between the way that people used to talk about big data and data science and not really kind of completely understand the application as to today where people talk about blockchain in the same way as a very general catch-all without perhaps necessarily entirely understanding the application. Yeah, I, I I actually get teased a little bit by my friends because they say I catch every new wave that comes along. <laughs> I, I caught the BI wave and, and, and I've, I've now caught the blockchain wave. Blockchain at its core is a distributed trust engine, a distributed database of information at its real core. Now, people confuse it with cryptocurrency and other things, but it is an incredibly powerful information exchange trust engine. Now, we're all struggling to find really good solid use cases. And like what happened with data science and analytics is that every the, the hype cycle goes up and then there's this period where everyone's going, well, we haven't found a use for it. Is it, is it all hype? I feel like blockchain might be going through that phase at the moment, but uh, it, it is a revolutionary technology. It's the new internet, as far as I can see. And that's so cool, Rosie, to hear about those connections where people like uh, the team at Centrality are, are creating these kind of um, ventures with people. But what, what are the environments of Ireland and Israel, were you able to kind of pick up from for scale up New Zealand where they've got um, kind of government run and government backed programs working with a lot of this? I mean, the reason we looked at those particular countries and a few others was because they're part of that small advanced economies group and the other countries that have populations around about 5 to 10 million, so similar sort of scale to us. I mean, we're probably at the lower end of that population scale, but we face some of those similar challenges where advanced economies don't necessarily have the scale of population that some of those larger economies have and can benefit from. And when you look at uh, kind of the research around the power of connectivity and agglomeration economics and all of that sort of stuff around how important those connections are for entrepreneurial activity to grow and to commercialise. Um, and it's hard to do when you're a long, skinny country with a 
small, relatively small population that's spread out across that. And even our largest city pales in comparison to, to most large cities around the world. So that's where we have the, the challenge. And so that's why we looked at some of those other small advanced economies to see what they've been doing. Um, both Ireland and Israel have developed uh, platforms. Uh, we've actually procured the Israeli vision uh, to bring it to New Zealand. And they have used it to profile and highlight the activity that's going on in New Zealand and help in their countries uh, to help them to find each other and make those connections because they're facing similar challenges to us. So how do they do that in practice? Like what happens when you log on to the, well, the Israeli version or now scale up uh, NZ New Zealand? Yes, so I mean, there's lots of different ways the platform can be used. So if you're an entrepreneur, you can go onto the platform, you can create a profile for your company. Uh, that profile will then be available to a, a, both a local and a global audience. We'll be promoting that platform uh, around the world to encourage people to use it as a place to find out about what's happening in innovation in New Zealand. So it's a, an opportunity to raise your profile. But it also has tools within it where you can request kind of warm handshake introductions to other companies or to investors or people offering entrepreneurship programs or accelerator programs, for example, to help you make those connections. You may have never otherwise come across those people. Everything that's in the platform is it's structured data, coming back to your, to your point around the importance of data as well that the information that's in the platform is all largely already in the public domain. There's nothing in there that's commercially sensitive, but it's stuff that people would have to spend hours searching for. You know, if you wanted to find out how many ag tech companies in New Zealand are in the North Island, you'd be spending days trying to find that information. Our hope is that as we build this platform, we will have a database that captures most, hopefully, all ag tech companies in New Zealand, with their location, what business stage they're at, how much funding they've acquired, uh, who's invested in them, which programs they've gone through, so people can get a richness of information around what's really happening in innovation in New Zealand. And how overseas has this kind of ability of creating both the kind of database and listing of all of the um, kind of like a, a very modern yellow pages maybe of a, uh, an innovation kind of ecosystem but also um, you know the, the activity that's going on so with the big investment funds or venture capital and kind of I, I see that there's like a news ticker around kind of like what investments have been placed and what's been happening in the actual kind of like capital innovation and actually creating stuff kind of side of things. So yeah. how do those things play with each other? Well, it's been interesting. So I had the opportunity to go to Israel and spend some time there being trained on the platform, but also to interact with their, their innovation community, um, met with a venture, venture capital firm and, and learned about their experience. So they're using this uh, their vision of the platform on at least a weekly basis. So for them, they have their own proprietary ways of, of managing their, innovation, uh, their, their investment pipeline, uh, but they use the platform to keep on top of those trends to see what's happening. Someone else is doing all that research for them. They're not having to spend time keeping track of everyone else's deals, that it's all in one place that they can keep track of. They can see which sectors are attracting the most investment or not and maybe adjust their investment strategy accordingly to see what's happening there. Um, also the opportunity to meet with uh, an accelerator called Drive, um, which specialises in the tele- uh, sorry in the transport industry. And they're primarily funded by multinationals that are very active in the Israeli uh, economy. Um, and they use it as a kind of a breeding ground for entrepreneurial talent and ideas and innovation in small businesses that they can either partner with or, or potentially acquire to bring that innovation into their large corporates. I mean, I've come, uh, my background has been in corporates and I've been in a venturing division within a corporate and it's and it's hard to innovate in a corporate um, and so they see real value in for, from a multinational perspective in using the platform to attract and identify 
innovative companies in the sectors that they're interested in that they can then support by providing funding and programs and then eventually hopefully find some great innovation that they can bring into their own business. What are some of the wins that they've had in Israel and in Ireland that made this something that was worth pursuing? Like what? What? Because I, I imagine, like I love this approach of like going after things that have already been successful and white labeling the technology rather than building it all yourselves, um, which is also which is obviously a very you know smart way to run. But yeah, what what are the wins that showed you that this was the the right platform to go with? Well, it's really around the level of activity that they're seeing on those platforms. The fact that you've got hundreds of thousands of people using this platform every year. Um, I think they get, a, I can't mean, the exact number, but it's, you know, a few million hits a year onto that platform. And it's also used to attract delegations into uh, Israel to come and look at opportunities. So uh, over half of the traffic to their platform is from an international audience. So it's global audiences, particularly from the US and, and Silicon Valley and the like, who are using it as their, their kind of first level of scan to look for potential companies to invest in. I mean, not going to do their due diligence for them and say, hey, this is a great company to invest in, but saying, hey, this is someone who looks interesting. And it, it enables them to find an, a critical mass of interesting companies to justify the trip over to come and visit. And that's what's really interesting for me about New Zealand is around how can we create a critical mass where people get enough interest to justify some of those trips and some of their interaction to come over and go, actually, it's worth coming to New Zealand. They've got a really hot blockchain level of activity. Here's four or five companies worth me taking a trip over to come and, and talk with them. Uh, the other thing that was interesting talking with uh, the team over in Israel was some of the unexpected and unanticipated things that have come out of the platform. So they built the platform originally very much focusing on startups and attracting foreign investment. That was the genesis of the platform and it's really evolved far beyond that. They were surprised at the level of local usage of the platform. So they were expecting it to more be 80-90% international traffic but actually the level of local activity, people even though you know the likes of Tel Aviv and Jerusalem are you know quite dense cities and, and well populated, they were still surprised at how many people were still using the platform to actually find people locally who they could partner with or I've got a similar idea or I'm doing something complementary, maybe we should work together. Um, that wasn't really the initial plan for the platform but it became very um, a very large use case. Uh, so that's been interesting for me. The other piece that's been interesting to learn from their experience and I'm very curious to see how it plays out in New Zealand is around job seekers and attracting talent. So within the platform there's an ability for you to request, as I said earlier, kind of a warm introduction to someone on the platform. And there's four categories for those introductions. You can request a, you know, an investment type conversation, uh, a cooperation conversation, hey, we might want to partner together on something. Uh, there's an event option, I'm running an event that might be of interest. But the fourth one that they added in, which wasn't an original plan, was around job seeking. They found they were getting a lot of expats who were using the platform to find all these interesting companies back home and wanting to use that to, to reach out and make contact. And I'm really curious to see how that might play out for New Zealand. I think sometimes the perception that there's not a lot of innovation or there's not a lot of interesting companies in New Zealand. Um, working at Callahan Innovation, I know that there's a huge amount and they don't necessarily have um, the profile that they could. And so I'm excited to see what can potentially happen in that space as well when people can go somewhere and go, I've got skills in Internet of Things. I want to come back home and raise a family or whatever. Um, they can go on the platform, find all companies in New Zealand doing something with the Internet of Things and even filter it by the town that they want to live in and go, well, who's doing something in Wellington, Dunedin, Hamilton, whatever. That's, that's going to be a really exciting use case for me to see how that plays out. 
that's so cool. I, I quite often get emails from people from overseas looking to come back uh, because I'm lucky enough to talk to lots of people uh, who are doing interesting things and asking for introductions. <laughs> quite cool to have a platform that did that. And it's not seeking to replace LinkedIn, is it? It's a, it's a kind of uh, you actually use people's LinkedIn graph as part of the process. Oh, LinkedIn is an absolutely critical source for us uh, on the platform, but we use a whole lot of uh, online sources to create the data. And um, so it's around saving that search burden for people. It's certainly not around replacing any of those services. They're absolutely critical. I see it very much as complementary. Um, but it's around how can you have one place to go for New Zealand that's focused on innovation where somebody's done the hard work for you to pull from all these different sources and put it in one place. And then if you've found a, a company or whatever that you're interested in, you can then go to those other sources for the extra detail that they have. And when you talk to the New Zealand business community, when you're thinking of uh, taking this platform and, and bringing it over here, what did you hear from them and how did that change how it was rolled out? So what was really valuable is very early on in the project, we established a basically an external working group. We brought together, I can't remember the exact number was, 15 to 20 people from outside of Callaghan Innovation, but who are very involved and engaged in innovation in New Zealand, so that we could have a diverse range of voices and perspective and experience, stress testing, challenging, informing us right from the very early stages of the project, and that was incredibly valuable. So we had people from the creative industries, we had incubators, accelerators, uh, serial entrepreneurs, investors, corporate venture, had a whole breadth of, of people on that forum, and it was really interesting. If... Without the input, um, we certainly wouldn't have got it done as quickly as we have, and I think we potentially would have made it harder to use than it needed to be. So some of the really early feedback we had was around eligibility. Who's allowed to be on the platform? And we were starting with kind of a traditional thing of how do we define innovation? What's an innovative company? Who can and can't be on this? And we got really strong feedback from that group to not go down that path because you'll immediately start excluding companies that you never intended to. Um, And so they gave us a really useful steer to keep it actually really broad and open and welcome all forms of innovation and all forms of types of business uh, so that this can be as valuable as possible. So that was really critical feedback we got really early on. The other critical value from that group was around prioritisation of what the most important parts of the platform were, but also their networks. Um, you know, we're an innovation agency at Callahan Innovation, but we know we don't work with every New Zealand innovative business in New Zealand. We'd love to, but we don't. Um, but a lot of those groups and other people out there see those businesses that we just don't. And so it's how do we build the relationships with them so that they can then also tell the story of scale up and encourage those other businesses that we would never see to be involved. And it's just launched. Uh, and how has the response been so far? I understand there's been a, a deluge of people <laughs> signing up. I was amazed at how many people chose to spend their Easter weekend uploading profiles onto Scale Up New Zealand. I did not expect that, which is a great thing to happen, but it's meant my team's had a very busy week. Um, yeah, really amazing response. So we had a target to have a 1,000 registered users within a month of launch, and we achieved that within a few days. So we've had a really strong, positive response. Um, I was looking at some of the stats yesterday. I finally had a chance to dig them out. Um, definitely weighted towards the smaller end of town, but not just the smaller end. So we've had publicly listed and well-established companies also wanting to get on there, but a lot of early stage companies, um, range of experience and capability, uh, lots of different sectors, probably weighted a bit towards uh, ag tech and food tech, uh, industrial technologies um, and enterprise kind of SaaS type uh, businesses. But a real mix um, have gotten on board, which is really exciting for me and the team. 
And Craig, how as a as a you know multi-time entrepreneur, um, you, you know, living on with with connections is so important to your businesses. How do you use the service, and how's it useful to you? And what's the application? So. My blockchain business, we are getting ready for another round of investment. And about six months ago, I thought, I'm going to find out who are likely investors for me and how should I contact them. Spent an enormous amount of time doing that. And then on East, over Easter, I went on to scale up, <laughs> did a quick search, and all that information was there in a few minutes. And, I can't, and, and there was a whole heap I'd missed, and I thought, oh, I needed this six months ago. And it just would have helped so much. That's one example of, of how it would be powerful. The other situation I find a lot, I go to Callahan events. In fact, uh, I went over to California with Sastra, an event for SaaS companies. And when I network within Callahan events and I tell people I do data science and blockchain, they pull me to one side and say, look, I'm, I'm, we're developing our product and we need to know this and we're thinking of hiring a data scientist or we need to do these analytics. Can you help us? And there's a huge conversation that goes on where people suddenly find out that there's somebody around that can help them. And so I think people will start to use it in that way as well and go, I need to do some data science. I'll have a quick look on there and see who else in this innovation space could probably help me and has done it before. That's so interesting, the idea of people almost being hidden in plain sight. Um, I, I, my company works in at a biz dojo and you'll find someone doing something interesting online and then you'll see their photo and you'll be like, oh, that person's down the hall. And I didn't even know what they did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Creating those networks for connection is so important. Yes, yes. And and, and look, um, startups and entrepreneurs, when, when you start up, you, you you put a bit of brochureware up and, it's, and, and then you get on with the job and you don't really do much to promote yourself and you work away in a bit of obscurity for a little while and it doesn't do you any good. And when people are trying to find you, it doesn't do you any good. So I'm hoping that that will change that. Because I see it when I go to Callahan events. There's all these amazing people that I couldn't have found in any other way. Even their LinkedIn profiles are not really that great up at, at that point. To, to go slightly sideways and back to the video I uh, saw of, 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 on, uh, of you on LinkedIn, um, there was a message that you shared in it that was lovely and personal in the rather transactional environment that LinkedIn can be sometimes around this idea of kind of um, you know ma- maximising your time uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? So I'm, I'm getting to the point in my life where I need to start thinking about what I do with my time. And and I've always been a hardworking, high-performing professional. And there was a point where I went, what actually happened was was my father, I nursed my father, he got cancer and, and died, and I brought him into my house. And, and during that process... Uh, it's a, had some real close conversations and, and it's very life-changing when you get that close to somebody and, and you start hearing about their regret in their life. And uh, it made me go, what are the things that I haven't done that I need to get done? Do I really need to be working so hard in my business? So yeah, yeah go and see my LinkedIn video where I talk about I made made five points and and I won't go over all five, but one of them was to spend more time with my family. Now both of my children work for me and my businesses. I helped my son start a, a new business, which is my solar business, and he's a shareholder in that. My daughter came to me and says, I'm sick of working. I went, good, let's let, give up your job and come and I'll help you build your own business. And so, uh, yeah, big changes in my life in the last couple of years. And this idea of um, you, you know making the most of your time, 
first was spurred by the near-death experience as a child and led you to, to, to try lots of experiences and now uh, has, has been spurred by the passing of a close family member. How are you helping people to kind of capture this without, you know, such extreme experiences? Good question. Uh, and, and so, right, I nearly died as a child and it changed my my whole worldview and I immediately went off to Australia and, and attacked life with a lot of vigour. And um, the funny thing was that I got married and I had children. I started businesses, and before I knew it, I was I was declining back to being quite average and not taking opportunity and not taking risks. and And uh, it wasn't until my father was passing away, and he's and he and he had so many regrets about so many things he didn't do that it it reignited that feeling in me that oh gosh, I've stopped really going out and attacking the things I really want in life and, and being a bit more just genuine about what I really want. So, um, yeah. Uh, so what I did is I got up one morning and went, I wonder if I can share this with people. I, I think it would be really good to share this with people and talk about what happened to me. And and so what I did is I made these list, these five things that I wanted to do, and one of them was a block of land, and one was to work more with my family. And and so I thought, well, I'm going to share this whole thing with people, and hopefully it'll spur them on. Gosh, I, I put it on LinkedIn. I got 10,000 views and a heap of comments, and my actual phone started ringing. People I'd worked with over the years that were at the same stage of life as me, and we had these long conversations. I went out and had coffees with people, and they were saying, oh, I've done the same. I've, I've decided to do this. And now I have this network of about 20 people that we're sharing what we're doing and giving each other support for changing their lives a little. That's so cool because we, we always ask people who come on the show, um, you know, what advice do you have for people starting out in entrepreneurship? But starting out doesn't mean you're 22. Starting out means you're making a leap into doing something entrepreneurial, risky, brave, new. Yes, yes. And so um, one of my list of five things was I wanted to try and build a business outside of tech. And because I'd always stuck within my swim lane, which was technology and and one of my other things on my list was to buy some property, a big space. So I bought 100 acres, and when I bought this 100 acres, it was an empty farm. And I went to North Power and said, can I get power on? They went, yeah, it's $90,000. So my son's an electrical engineer. And so we decided we'd build our own off-grid solar kit, and it was terrible. Nobody in New Zealand would support us. Nobody wanted to do it. If I wanted to write a check and get someone to just install solar, Fine, but if you wanted to do it yourself and you know, do it yourself, mate, that's what Kiwis are like. It was really hard to do. So, so we launched a business. I said to my son, "Let's launch a business," and and I, I got another one of my employees involved, and we launched a business doing off-grid DIY solar, and we did half a million dollars in the first six months. It it was a runaway success. And what I learned was my ability to start a business and bootstrap a business in tech actually directly translated into another industry. And um, and it, the great thing is I got my son involved as a shareholder and I had another employee that I got involved as a shareholder and hopefully those two guys will take this business forward and I'll create two more entrepreneurs in New Zealand. That, that's so cool. And that idea of like if you are an off-grid kind of person, you're quite likely to be quite a DIY kind of person. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we went to a tiny house and sustainable living conference on the weekend and we set up a stall outside. 
And there were all these other guys' head stalls outside and we had our DIY solar. And as soon as the break came out, we were overwhelmed. There were three of us on the stand and there would have been uh, three or four levels deep of people wanting to talk to us. There's so much demand. And some people are afraid of electricity, right? Uh, but uh, the whole solar side of it up until it gets to 230 volt that you plug a three pin plug in is all very easy to do and we've built videos and we've written uh, to do's but yes DIY New Zealanders love to do it you can, if you can get on the roof and put some solar panels up and screw in some wires you should do your own off grid solar <laughs> try this at home kids <laughs> so um, yeah so so as a, as a kind of final thought there Rosie like what, what will success look like for Scale Up New Zealand having led this project and get it into the world and having been kind of like overwhelmed with people um, signing up, what, what does success look like for you? I mean, I can look at it in terms of the numbers and, and how many people are on there and how much activity, but that's not really gets me excited about success. I and mean, we've got a whole bunch of those, I guess, more traditional KPIs that we'll be monitoring. What success looks like for me personally is around when people start making those personal connections and that actually goes off and becomes something. Um, so we're already seeing a little bit of that on the platform already. I think when I looked at the numbers yesterday, we've already had 14 people request connections, uh, most of them for investment conversations, but some of them for cooperation. Um, one, I mean, I can't talk specifics, but it was around a, there was a manufacturing company and then you had an Internet of Things company who got in touch and said, I think I've got technology that I think will be really useful for your business hey, we should meet up and talk. And already seeing that, only after a week or two, um, that's what gets me really excited and that's what success looks like for me is that people actually use this thing to make those, I guess, serendipitous type con uh, connections and that goes off and becomes something new, different, better, bigger, faster, stronger. Um, that's what gets me excited about is success. But there'll be numbers and metrics as well, which we'll keep track of. So if someone out there is uh, listening and they're interested in growing things, making new things happening, making connections, that's all the kind of innovation we're talking about, isn't it? And so how, how do they get involved? Just need to go to scaleup.nz. Uh, you can sign up on the platform. Uh, you can upload a profile for your business if that's relevant, or you can just be there on as a, as a user and just browse and find companies that you think are interesting. Uh, you can see industry stats on the platform, latest investments, latest news, uh, which sectors are hot and not. You can download data from the platform. You can create collections of companies so you can come back and look at them later. Um, so yeah, go, on, go to the site, scaleup.nz, and get involved. And maybe while you're there, you can make friends with Craig Simpson's companies. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Hey, well, thank you so much, Rosie Sprague, the project lead for Scale Up New Zealand, and to Craig Simpson uh, for joining us today. Thank you for your time. Lovely to chat to you. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you very much to Tina Tiller for producing and to you for listening to us and having us along in your ears. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. Brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring. Brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? 
Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.